Hello and welcome to the iChiefs podcast series brought to you by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. This is where new ideas are born, leadership skills are discussed, and engaging topics are brought to the table. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief of the City of Rogers, Arkansas, and a past IAFC president. And I'm Joe Powers, the managing director of IAFC's consulting firm, Emergency Services Consulting International. We're glad you're here. This podcast is designed for you and for the fire and emergency services community. Before we dig into this week's important topic, make sure to check out our library of episodes at iefc.org slash podcasts and listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you think the content is great, go ahead and share it with your crew. Well, welcome to uh, the latest episode of our podcast series where we have uh, an awesome guest, Candace McDonald, who, um, it, although she's not an astronaut, worked at NASA, uh, a longtime government employee, uh, a very recognizable face in the fire service, and just a wonderful human being who's trying to make our business safer and, and, and certainly in her current role with the National Volunteer Fire Council has a lot to offer us today. Uh, uh, Dr. McDonald, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at the National Volunteer Fire Council? Yeah, well, I first want to thank you uh, both for having me today. It's always exciting to get together and, and connect with others. So um, I've been in the fire service for almost two decades uh, as, a, as a volunteer firefighter, as a EMT. I actually started our township's EMS program also an inspector and a CE instructor. So the fire service is something that's near and dear to my heart. As a volunteer firefighter, I noticed that we were having a problem with recruitment and retention issues and we needed resources. So I started to reach out and I was looking for different places and I stumbled across the National Volunteer Fire Council about 15 years ago when I reached out and said, hey, how can you help us? I got connected with them and that just bloomed into a, a beautiful relationship. And from there, I've been very engaged with them over the years. And then when I did do my doctoral program, I actually did my dissertation on retention and the fire service. So as I was looking at making that transition um, from being a federal agent at NASA back into the civilian life, this opportunity uh, came about and it was just a perfect match. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that, uh, I mean, from a, from a doctoral standpoint, your dissertation kind of hits the nail on the head for so many of our, uh, um, our volunteer and combination leaders that, that are many of our listeners. Um, you know, so obviously volunteerism um, seems to be on the decline. I'm sure you can, uh, you can justify some of that. And, and many of our leaders are having a hard time, you know, finding, you know, quality volunteers that can put in that time and commitment and then keeping the folks that, uh, that they've spent so much, you know, investment on, uh, on training. Talk to us a little bit about uh, um, what uh, NVFC is doing to, um, to help with that. Yeah, so we we know the value of the volunteer. Obviously, um, the volunteer firefighters save their communities almost $47 billion a year, which is really important for the small rural communities like mine where, um, you know, we couldn't afford to have a career department. We don't even have a police department. We're just, you know, small communities. So uh, the NVFC has recognized that there is a need. So one of the things that we've done is we have our Make Me a Firefighter program, and that is a um, fire and EMS recruitment campaign that was launched in 2015. And it's a free program for departments to use. And departments can actually utilize that program 
to um, they they enter it and they set up an account and they're able to get all kinds of free marketing resources that are ready made where they can plug their name in and then put that out into their community. It provides print, social media, videos, all kinds of tools. But the other thing that it does, which is really cool, is that they can actually post their volunteer opportunities, both uh, operational and non-operational opportunities into the portal and they can promote those within their communities and anybody can apply through that portal. It actually will track those applications. So it's a, a free uh, management system for your, your recruits and it'll see that recruit all the way through and track that. And, and as we know, we've heard from the fire, fire administration, we know data is so important. So it allows you to track your, your, your data as you're recruiting and, and those folks are coming through. So that's one program that we offer. We also have a ton of resources. We just uh, released with FEMA a recruitment and retention guide, which was updated from our previous one that offers all kinds of uh, resources on tactics for recruitment and retention within your department. So we also have many online trainings that departments or individuals can get online and utilize through our online classroom. Uh, we also host webinars. And another really cool thing that we do is we have an annual training summit and we've been able to offer a recruitment retention piece to that where volunteers from all over the country come together and we just spend two great days talking about recruitment retention issues and offering them tools to to mitigate some of the issues that they're having with their community. And I always tell everybody, you know, you know, even though I did my dissertation on retention, that doesn't mean I'm the expert, but when we all come together, we can bring so much great content and, and that we can learn from one another and some of those best practices. Well, I don't think there's any better topic, um, even as a career firefighter and a career fire chief, when, when you talk about recruitment and retention, that resonates with, all, I think, all of us today, because while the struggle is so different, we have a lot more in common now than what used to be uh, categorized as a volunteer problem. So uh, I think I think a lot of us understand that volunteerism's down, like Joe says, and we understand the crisis that maybe maybe the whole business is in right now with getting good, interested people in the door, getting them trained and keeping them here. Do you have in, in your travels and in your research the not just uh, the problem, do you have some examples of some departments or some instances where maybe it's regional or statewide where we're actually doing good, where, where there, there's things that we can emulate and learn from uh, out there that, that might be able to move the needle? Because while I see even in the area that I live that most volunteer agencies are struggling, there are one or two that appear to thrive. And, and I wonder, like, what is that ingredient that, that they're doing? What do you think? Yeah, great question, Chief. And I love that, you know, one thing that we know about recruitment retention is it's not just a volunteer issue. It's actually, you know, it's a fire service issue, but it goes beyond that. And so when I looked at the, and I did my study, I actually looked at other practices with similar industries, like emergency room nurses, because they have a high turnover. And then I went out and I actually studied successful fire departments um, and what they were doing, you know, those ones that you were talking about. And some things that popped up and kind of correlated between even other industries and those successful volunteer fire departments was one schedule accommodation. What we know is that our younger generation, 
they're very family and social focused, which is really great because so many of us missed our kids' soccer games and, and just some key events because we were either working or volunteering because that's how we were raised. That was what we were supposed to do. But this younger generation, they want to be involved with their families. And I commend them for that. So knowing that, what can we do to accommodate their schedules? How can we allow them to, you know, whether it be they sign up for their own shifts, we allow them to, to self-schedule. Or when we're looking at training, training is so important because we want to make sure our firefighters, whether they're career or volunteer, are quality trained. Um, so, But can we do hybrid training where they might watch a video or a training online and then come in and test out on the actual hands-on skills? Because it's not about getting the butts in the seat for training, but we want quality people. But if we can allow them why maybe they're home taking care of a young baby or maybe it's a seasoned firefighter who has an aging parent that they're taking care of. If they can watch a training video um, and whether that be a video that was created within the department where someone takes a cell phone and records that video and posts that or, you know, uses some some great content that's already out there online. But then they develop a skill checkoff sheet. So when that person comes back in, that they're actually being tested on those skills. That way we know that we're not, you know, we're not kind of um, skimping by and training. We're getting quality. That's a way to accommodate schedules. The other thing that we, we know is that we've, we've got to start being a little more flexible too. And some of the other things that we do so often in the volunteer fire service, we say, you have to be here on Monday night. It's our meeting night. And, you know, but Again, that forces our firefighters to pick between Little Johnny's soccer game and the volunteer fire service. Or, you know, maybe it's a, a mandatory meeting at a career department. On that Monday night, you have to be here. Why can't we do a hybrid approach? Can we record that meeting, have them come in and watch that at the fire department, and then sign off that they attended that? Because, again, it's about getting that information there. It's not so much about getting people in there. And I think for a long time, many of us as instructors and educators, we would get a little frustrated when we'd only see one or two, three people showing up. But what we fail to realize is let's get creative. Let's take those three people. Let's record the training that we're doing. That way we can get everybody else caught up to speed. Yeah, it's awesome. One of the things that you said is it's not just a volunteer issue. And I think that, uh, um, I think that there's so much more that, you know, from a, from, from a background as a, as a volunteer way before I was a, a career firefighter um, and then coming up through the career ranks, you realize that many of the things that, that we face as the fire service is, is being faced as a fire service as a whole. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that, you know, one of those things is, is obviously behavioral health and helping, helping folks, you know, deal with the things that they see on a, on a daily basis. And from a volunteer standpoint, you know, many of those organizations don't have the resources uh, to, um, to help help their members, you know, kind of, um, you know, through those struggles. What is, uh, what's your organization doing to help with mental health? And that's a great point. And actually, uh, mental health issues was one of the themes that popped up in my dissertation. We've got to support our folks with the behavioral health. So what the National Volunteer Fire Council is doing, because again, we realize that unlike our, our, our career friends and family, you know, they have some great EAP programs and our volunteer folks, they don't have that within their department. So what we did is we actually started a mini EAP program and it's called the NVFC First Responder Helpline. And what's really cool about this helpline is that it's not just for the volunteers, but it's also for their family members, because we know that sometimes the family members struggle as well. And we want to keep everybody healthy. 
So this helpline, um, it's something that folks can call whether, you know, they're having, you know, maybe it's just a stressful time. They need some advice on dealing with an aging parent or they're having issues with their kids or maybe a, a financial situation, whatever that might be. They can call this helpline 24-7 and they're going to link them up to just like an EAP program, you know, five counseling sessions and then connect them with that that care going forward. So that's something that we're offering and uh uh, it is for our, our members, but we never turn a volunteer away. So let's say a volunteer needs that and they get on our site and they're not a member. And our membership is only $21 a year. So it's not that much. But um, if they were called, we would never turn them away. It is, you know, it's open for everybody. The other thing that we have implemented is because we know that um, dealing with behavioral health is something new to a lot of fire chiefs and a lot of organizations. They're not sure where to go. And let's face it, we are very unique in some of the traumas that we face and not every behavioral health professional is the right person to deal with us. You know, I've heard many horror stories where people have gone to talk to a, a, a therapist and, and the therapist's eyes are like this big when they start to share about a traumatic call that, and you know, we're like, okay, we've just traumatized our therapist. We don't need to go back. So what we've done is we've developed a directory of a pr approved providers that we know are experienced in dealing with first responders. And so we have that posted on our website and we've listed all the providers in different states and providers that have that experience, they can apply to be on that list. And then uh, we've worked with Jeff Dill um, and he's got, gone out to, to vet those providers to make sure that, that they are what they say they are. The other thing that we have is our psychologically healthy fire department implementation implementation toolkit. So this is a toolkit that fire service leaders can take and it walks them through how to foster that well-being among their members. You know, how they can engage member involvement in behavioral health, how they can talk about work-life balance and, and just some of those special issues. So it walks them through all the processes that they need to take to create a um, psychologically healthy fire department. I think that's fantastic that you have those resources and and it's easy to think that you know the volunteer fire service is often overlooked in some of that but those resources would rival probably what most career departments uh, could rattle off um as you know things that were appropriate for their members so i think that's wonderful um okay so what i've always appreciated about you candace is that you have a lot of energy you're well connected uh, you're juggling all the time. Um, and you now, as the deputy CEO of the NVSC, there's no doubt you have a, a very healthy and robust perspective as to where the volunteer fire service is going. And I was asked that question just in the last year. I said, hey, where do you think it's going? And I'm not going to tell you my answer because there's a strong likelihood that it was wrong. But um, I, I want to know that with, with I want to know that that response from you with your perspective in, in 10 years and 20 years. What does the volunteer fire service look like in this country, in your opinion? That is a great question. And I think what it looks like is, de is depends on how we, those people that are, are leading at a local level, state level, and a national level, how they respond. If they're not starting to meet the needs of the younger generation, we're going to see those numbers continue to decline. But what we know if we look at research is that we know that our younger generations are very eager to volunteer in their communities. And so we just got to get more creative on how we can meet their needs and get them uh, 
introduced to the fire service. And again, um, it might be we need to take on more volunteers so that they're doing a little less time commitment um, to be able to meet their needs, like family needs, social needs, work needs, and, and things like that. So I see that as something that we need to really focus on, you know, as looking to the future is what does our culture look like? Are we changing to meet the needs? Are we just trying to dig our heels in and, and staying the same and, and getting frustrated when nothing changes? The other thing that I think that I, I really see this and I really hope that this happens and I've seen that with my own area, within my own region, is that I see the volunteer fire service. If we promote it right, it is a great pipeline into the career fire service. Like we see so many young kids, if we can get them in our junior programs and they get them involved while they're in college. I mean, this is a great way to prepare them to go into the career fire service. And, and I've watched that at, uh, there's a great fire department in New Jersey that recruits students from Rutgers. They're in the volunteer fire department. They're going to Rutgers. And then a lot of them will go off and join the fire service but they want to still stay true and be connected to their volunteer fire service. And Joe, I heard you mention that you, you know, you were in the volunteer fire service. So many career fire firefighters started in the volunteer fire service. And so I think it's good that we, and you know, so, so often we see this kind of this friction with some people between, Oh, volunteer and career, but Hey, we can be a pathway to help feed those career departments. And what I'm seeing is a lot of career firefighters, when they retire, they're not sure what they want to do with themselves. They find it feel they kind of feel displaced. Well, we would love to have them come back and serve with us. So I, I think that we could start as that feeder, that apprenticeship program, so to speak, and get folks um, trained and get them some experience and they can go to, you know, and take those jobs, whether it be career EMS or, you know, we see a lot of volunteers that they get so excited about EMS, they end up being nurses. My, my husband is a perfect example of that. He started out as a a uh, paramedic uh, firefighter too, volunteer within our department. Now he runs a hospital, an emergency room in, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. So, you know, he's a perfect example of that pipeline uh, of what the volunteer fire service can do. So I, th I think we need to think about that. And I know our young kids, um, when you talk to them, a lot of them, they don't want student loans. And so they're very aware of that, that conversation that's taking place. A lot of volunteer fire departments, they will provide that free training. Here in Ohio, you know, our volunteers are trained to fire one and fire two, the majority of them. So they're already prepared to go into the to the career fire service. They've got that step up and and they didn't have to pay to go and get that. So I think that if we we look at it from that way and we continue to, to work together and, and that we can continue to, to see the, the volunteer fire service thrive and again, be a platform, you know, to, to push people towards careers, whether it be in the fire service or in, um, in the healthcare. And even for me, you know, uh, I, I was in the social work world when, when I joined the fire service, I fell in love with it. And that kind of led to, you know, a job in emergency management at NASA, you know, because of that volunteer fire service experience and then and then into law enforcement as a federal agent, which is a whole other story. But again, it was it all started because of the fire service. So I think that's what we need to think about is how can we work together and sell the fire service as a training program? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the uh, the spirit of working together will bring the fire service much farther down the road, and you know, mm -hmm. to create a sustainable industry for us, you know, requires us all to work together. 
Um, so, you know, many of our members are, are career fire chiefs and, 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 and career leaders, uh, combination leaders and volunteer leaders. What is the, wh how do they get involved and, 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 and take part of that spirit of, uh, of working together? Because you talked about some great mental health resources, some great retention resources. Um, what is that next step for our members to, or our listeners to, uh, um, to, to move forward and, and start to become involved and work together? Yeah, so all of the resources that I mentioned are free and they can be found at nvfc.org. They can, you know, be downloaded. They can reach out to me. The other thing that I always suggest people is, is look at what other states are doing. You know, look at who's doing things right. And again, I, I'm going to recognize my state, Ohio. And I feel I can do this because I just heard that my state fire marshal got an award while he was at the fire, um, at the U.S. Fire Administration. One of the really cool things that they did in Ohio was they developed these listening sessions where they actually, the fire marshal went out and sat down with all the fire chiefs and said, what are the issues and how can we help you? How can we work together? And I think that we don't always do that with our people. We don't say, whether it be our firefighters on the front line or if we're looking from a state down to a local level, we don't say, how can we help you be successful? What do you need for us to work together? So I, I challenge every fire chief, whether they be career or volunteer, just to sit down with your people and say, um, what can I do to help you be successful and, and continue your membership within this department? What do you need from us that we're not giving you? Well, we've been talking to Dr. Candace McDonald, the deputy CEO with the National Volunteer Fire Council uh, today. So Candace, thank you so much for joining Joe and I and letting us uh, pepper you with questions. But uh, most importantly, uh, thank you for what you're doing for our nation's volunteer well, not just volunteer, our nation's fire service. You've always been somebody that, um, you know, puts your money where your mouth is and you put a lot of energy into uh, a business that requires involved people. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And if anybody's got questions, I'm here to help. Well, and you can hear more uh, um, of what uh, Candace has to say. She'll be at the VCOS Symposium in the Sun this November. She's speaking on Sunday. So uh, a fine example of organizations working together is the Volunteer and Combination Officer Section of the International Association of Fire Chiefs working with the National Volunteer Fire Council, learning from each other. As Dr. McDonald mentioned, I would encourage all of our listeners to visit nvfc.org. Take a look at the programs they're doing, whether you're career or volunteer, I think there's something for all of us to learn. For all of, all of our listeners today, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or however you're listening to us today. And if you like us, leave a rating, review the content, let us know that you enjoyed it. And last but not least, please recommend the podcast to other chiefs in the business. We're here because we care and we want to get the word out on all the wonderful things that are going on in the fire service. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you learned something new and you enjoyed uh, Candace as much as we did. Be safe and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.